Welcome to a Let's Talk Agriculture Farm to Fork special, a three-part series where we examine sustainability in agriculture and the wider food system as it moves to become a carbon net zero industry. In this podcast, Mark Southern explores this important topic with Nigel Owens, MBE, an international rugby union referee who has recently become a farmer in his home country of Wales. They discuss how sustainability is pivotal on Nigel's farm and how consumers can help support farmers in their drive to becoming carbon neutral. Mark, over to you. My name's Mark Southern and I'm, I'm thrilled that you've joined me to listen to this Let's Talk Agriculture special on Farm to Fork. It's a series that's part of our Sustainability Through Agritech campaign to help farmers become carbon net zero with £250 million worth of support available. I'm the National Head of Agriculture at Barclays and have been with the bank since 1985 and that is a long time. In this series we're exploring sustainability because it has rapidly risen to prominence over the past few years particularly as the government seeks to put a green recovery at the heart of its post-COVID-19 economic plan and the National Farmers Union aims to achieve carbon net zero for agriculture by 2040. It's an ambitious plan. The NFU knows it, farmers know it and we know it. But if we're going to reach it, then we need to be in it together as farmers, friends and family, the supply chain, businesses, banks and government. We need to come up with solutions and support those making strides to becoming more sustainable and efficient. Farmers in this country are increasingly on the front line of the weather extremes and they also find themselves uniquely part of the solution to climate change as they are an emission source and importantly also an emission sink. I'm going to be exploring some of those opportunities and challenges for farmers over the next two decades and we'll be discussing with three different guests sustainability, becoming greener businesses and policy. Today I'll be chatting to Nigel Owens MBE, most famous for being an international rugby union referee, but who's recently become a farmer in his home country of Wales. We'll be discussing his journey to becoming a farmer, sustainability on his farm, and how we as consumers can help support farmers in their drive to becoming carbon neutral. Great to be with you, Nigel, and I just wish I was on the farm. So, so how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. I'm sitting in my shorts and t-shirt because it's a beautiful, beautiful day. Yes, like a summer's day, really hot today. Um, so you're missing out to some wonderful, lovely sunshine in the Welsh countryside today, you are, Mark? Yeah, I wish I could be with you in Wales today. Um, I'm talking to you from my uh, home in Lincolnshire where the weather is uh, decidedly grey. Um, but I'm really delighted you can join us on this uh, on this episode. Uh, rugby is a, a real passion of mine, so it's it's a huge pleasure to talk to you. Um, my uh, late father actually founded a rugby club in 1979 in in North Shropshire, so it's been an important part of my life, both uh, personally and, and from a sporting point of view. So, so for me, a, a couple of my highlights, which which pale into comparison uh, to you, Nigel, was being a steward at the 2015 World Cup in England, was which was just so much fun. Uh, and obviously, then as a proud Englishman, the England World Cup win in 2003. Uh, I managed to watch it four or five times over a period of 24 hours. But I'm sure what people would really like to know is, is what your real rugby highlights are. Well, 2003, England winning the World Cup was not one of them. Um, <laughs> but 20, 2015 certainly certainly was, because that's the, the year I refereed the, the final between uh, Australia and New Zealand in, in Twickenham. And um, 
And you're right in what in what you're saying. It um, it really was a, a wonderful World Cup. Um, it, it you know the, the England and and the RFA and, and World Rugby really really got the tournament perfectly spot on basically we very lucky with the weather as well the weather was pretty much like it is now it was really summery autumn you know an indian uh, autumn indian summer um and that contributed hugely then to, to the quality of the games as well because i think only one or two games of the whole tournament were, were actually you know where it where there was a bit of rain so it it really did help not just the rugby on the field but everybody's enjoyment but you know the World Cup is the pinnacle, and, and referee in that final definitely stood stood out for for sure. But you know, of course, there's there's so many others like the the, the New Zealand South Africa game in 2013 at Ellis Park, which which many people say is the greatest game of rugby they've ever seen, and just to be a part of that, a small part, but yet again, a part of it was was truly truly a, a privilege and honour. So so yeah, the the Rugby World Cup 2015. Um, was was certainly a highlight, and, and I know I got to say, you know, I pulled your leg earlier. You know, it, it was, you know, England thoroughly deserved that uh, win back in in two thousand and three, and and congratulations uh, to them. But obviously, as a Welshman, um, that doesn't go down very well. <laughs> no, 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 no. And when you talk about those highlights, I, I was surprised you didn't mention sort of Market Drayton versus Trentham in about nineteen eighty six. But uh, never mind. It uh, the, the rugby is is for me is is about values and about family. But and, and you're you're recognised as you know perhaps one of the world's most respected officials. Never mind in rugby, but uh, as 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 an as an official. But I'm really interested to know how, how have you got into farming, and, and when did you decide to set up your business? Um, well, farming was something I loved doing, and was in my blood before I started refereeing. And I started refereeing at 16 years of age. But I was I was brought up by my um, by my mum and dad, um, and we lived there with our grandparents till uh, I was about five years of age. And then my mum and dad managed to get a, a council house on the council estate in in Money the Carrick, then in West Wales, where I was brought up and and lived until I until I moved out to get my my own place. Uh, and my grandparents, you know, my dad was one of seven children. My mum was one of six, and my dad's mum and dad they used to have a little small holding where when when my dad was a kid my grandfather would work down the mines uh, but also would keep two or three cows at home which he'd milk my grandmother then would make cheese and stuff out of you know and butter out of the milk for the family they had chickens for the eggs they had um you know pigs then for for the bacon and you know my grandfather would do the garden and grow most of the food that they ate there uh, they'd also go hunting as well and rabbits was a part of them daily sort of a weekly menu as well so it really was in my blood really you know for my the time i was growing up my my grandparents um only kept a couple of horses and behind where I was brought up there was a, a small holding farm which I used to go up there when I was about seven eight nine years of age and just loved helping out up there and I used to go up there every weekend till I was about 15 16 till I started reffing really and then um, I went every school holidays I'd go up my uncle and auntie's farm in Pentoin farm in Clanon to Graham and Gloria um, my uncle and auntie and I'd spend most of the holidays up there on the dairy farm and then I started working on the farm then in the Weren farm in Dravach, um, uh, helping out there on, on the weekends and after school and then when I left school I went to work there then for a couple of years uh, as as a farm hand on, on, on the dairy farm there so so it's really been in my blood you know it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid 
I always wanted to be a farmer. Um, I wanted to be a vet, first of all, but I soon realized at about 13, 14 years of age that I didn't have the brains and I wasn't going to be clever enough to be a vet. So farming was the next best thing. So it's always been in the blood, really. And um, and then the opportunity came then, you know, um, refereeing took over then for the next sort of 30 years or so, traveling the world away pretty much nearly every weekend. But when rugby turned professional and refereeing turned professional, I was, you know, very lucky to get it as a as a job, uh, and a job that paid, you know, pretty decently really. Um, so I was able to to save up and invest my money wisely, sort of over the years, and then the opportunity came about oh about a year ago, year and a half ago, to buy some land around where I'm living now and a little small holding just just up the road. So it's been part of a of a long, long process and been part of the plan for, for many, many years. But it's just actually now I've I've actually got around to doing it because now I, I, I get the time and I'll be able to, to 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 afford to do it as well. And the the first cattle arrived here on the farm um after the world cup i got back from the world cup in japan in 2019 um and then three or four weeks later the the first cattle arrived here on 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 the farm and uh, i've been loving every minute of it since there, there is something nigel isn't there about working working on the land in that agricultural sector for farming that just sort of gets gets under your skin and I, and I, I, I truly understand how uh, that that sort of childhood memories has now manifested itself into something that you're going to do as a, as a as a new career you've said in the in, in the past that you know uh, refereeing a, a rugby world cup final was um, was perhaps a little bit easier than compared to some of the surprises that you've encountered in farming you know, what's been that sort of what's been the biggest thing that you found as a sort of a uh, a shock coming into farming and uh, is there anything that you've learned in rugby that you think well I, I could actually apply this to what I'm doing on the farm now well I, I I suppose there wasn't that so much of a shock because I've been working on the farm I, I knew what to expect I knew how hard work it would be the hours the long hours um you know I you know been had to pull a calf and I was or pull cows when I was working on the farm and and learned a lot when I was doing my agricultural studies in in Pibaloid Kamar then on on the white DS scheme that was going back then so it wasn't so much of a shock or a surprise I knew what I was letting myself into but but again I was now responsible for my own herd and my own way now, you know, where back then, you know, we were working for somebody, but now, you know, the buck ends with you. And that's pretty much like refereeing, you know, when you, when you run touch as a referee or you're a TMO, you're part of a team, you have your duties to do very similar to, to what I'm encountering now, you know, we've only got people helping me and my advice and, you know, my, my partner Barry helps out a lot on the farm. He's from a farming background as well. But, but at the end of the day, you know, you are now responsible for your own cattle, their care, their, you know, their animal welfare, their health and the land and getting things ready. And when something goes wrong um, and the bills you have to pay and buying the machinery and, and, you know, I started refereeing from scratch. You know, I played till I was 16 in school, then started refereeing at 16 and, and learned my trade as I went along and learned by by making mistakes. And and farming is very similar, you know. Now, obviously, 
the less mistakes you you make, then the better it is. But you are going to learn things, and I'm learning things now, or having to relearn things and remember back to what I was taught when I was younger working on the farm. Uh, so I am doing that process again, actually, of learning as I as I go along. You know, and I, and I've had to start from scratch, really, um, and a lot of responsibility with that. So it's very similar to to refereeing in 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 that sense. But I'm you know I'm, I'm learning as I as I go on every day, really. So just remind me, what is the cattle that you've got on the farm at the moment? Um, I've gone for um, for Hereford uh, cattle. I've gone for pedigree Herefords because um, there's a couple of reasons, really. Um, I remember the first time going with my grandfather and grandmother in the car. Um, I was about probably five, six years of age. And you know, sometimes you look back on your life and sometimes there's an occasion that just you remember at, at the youngest, youngest of ages. And I remember my grandfather saying, as we passed a, a farm not, not far away from where from where we lived, and there was a herd of um, Hereford, red pedigree Herefords, obviously, on, 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 on the field. And I remember my grandfather saying then, Do, there's, there's nothing prettier than, than a sight of a of a red Hereford out grazing. And, and I remember thinking that how beautiful they look. So, I, you know, I think when you get up in the morning and you look at the window and you see your cattle or you go down to feed your cattle or you see them in the field, you want to be looking at something that, that looked good. Uh, also, as well, I, I wanted something that was quite straightforward to keep with not many difficulties. And the Hereford cattle are so docile. So, you know, if I want to, you know, put some spot on on their back or some pour on or anything on their back. I can literally go out the field and check them and do it as I'm walking around them. Don't need to get them in. I need a crush or everything to, to do that. So they're very docile to handle, um, particularly if you're handing them on your own sometimes as well, which is quite often. Uh, they're also very easy carving, you know. So and out of the nine calves that have been born here so far, they've all come themselves there's only one we had to pull that was because one leg was 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 going backwards and so we had to readjust that and by that time she she strained herself too much she was a bit tired so we had to pull the calf but thankfully every came well and, and, and the heifer was well uh, and obviously as well their their meat you know i think the meat is actually delicious as as well and you know it's, it's quite a sought after uh, type of, of steak and, and and meat as well so there are many 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 reasons really so so, so Nigel, I, I just you know, for the avoidance of doubt, Herefordshire cattle, uh, an English, a proud English breed. What, why, why Herefords? Ah, uh-huh, now then, uh, I was up the Winter Fair in the Royal Welsh last year, and I uh, went over to the Herefords stand because I only just started keeping the Herefords, and um, went over there to have a, have a, have a photo and, and, and stuff as as you do as a new member of the Hereford Society. And uh, the Welsh black stall was quite opposite me. And as I walked over, some farmer was not happy at all. He said to me, oh, he said, why are you keeping Herefords or English cows? So you should be keeping Welsh blacks, he said, Welsh cattle. And I answered to him, is the same as it is to you now. Many, many years ago, before you invaded Wales, Hereford was part of Wales. So the Hereford cow is actually originally Welsh, I'm pretty sure. So, and the colour is red, the same as the colour of Wales. So there you go. We, we, we talk a lot about um, farming and the importance of um, really, really caring for what we do. And you know, at the moment, there's a lot of talk about what, you know sustainability, uh, whether that is environmental, economic, social. But but what does what does sustainability really mean for you for you on your farm, Nigel? 
Well, I think it is. The, I think it's the buzzword now, isn't it? Not just in in, in agriculture, but but in in everyday life is sustainability, and probably that's been brought to the fore even more during this recent previous uh, period of of the lockdown and, and of the COVID nineteen as well. Um, and I think there's many many different um, areas of sustainability. Um, you know, the management of the farm that you have. Um, good soil management um you know you preserve for the land for, for, for the future generations as well uh, the management of of wild areas and wildlife within your, your your farm management of hedgerows you know keeping a couple of trees and stuff like like i've done here at home um and and also as well i think particularly which is probably more of um of a work on really is to try and manage and keep low the amount of energy and and usage that we use on the farm and be a little bit more sustainable around the way we do that because I'm, I'm putting a shed at the moment and part of that sustainability will be i will be collecting all the rainwater from the from the surface of the roof of the shed and reusing it then through a filter system um so the cattle can have um clean water from the rainwater collected within the sheds and a couple of the drinking baths around the the fields that is viable to run the water from the shed too as well so there are many many different um areas of sustainability i think and it and it is a challenge you know um it is something that we in the agricultural community need to face and we need to be a part of and play a part in that and and, and i think it's important that, that 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 we do do that because it's important we preserve the land for for the future generations but also for our wildlife and our countryside as well yeah, there's a couple of things there, Nigel, which which really sort of resonated with me. One um, is that whole piece that we are we are really just stewards, and uh, the, you know, despite the fact that you you know you bought your farm and everything, you know, we're we're only we're only here for a for a relatively short space of time. When it, and it's then about how do we how do we pass something on to the next generation, the next people that to, you know farm your land, whatever it is, and we and we just put it in a slightly better place than we found it, and it's it's almost just like a simple sort of man. man for life isn't it is that you know leave it leave it in a better state than you found it and i think it, it's so important from an agricultural point of view just to be thinking about well what does it look like you know when when the next generation were to, to use it and i think the other thing that's really interesting as we as we sort of grapple with climate change and uh, and the use of energy that that sort of harvesting of of water um is is something that's really going to become to the fore to make us become much more um self-sufficient in how we how we manage that so i think it is really really key to look at those opportunities now do do you think that livestock farmers can, can be sustainable and if so how, how do they how do they balance the environmental sustainability but but also the other really important one for me financial sustainability yeah and that is it is a very difficult balance you know it, it's it's very similar to, to refereeing in getting the balance of knowing when to blow the whistle in refereeing and knowing when not to blow it is is the key ingredient in your success as as a referee and it's a very difficult balance to get there's always the challenge to get cheaper and cheaper food and and that not sometimes is at the expense of of the environment i believe uh, and also as well of sustainability both environmental and, and financial as well so there needs to be a balance struck and this is where i think um the government can can play a part in this as well as well as 
as many other organize organizations as well um a great example of that uh, is with with barclays with the sustainability through the agritech uh, campaign this is what i think is important that we get this right that we get it right with everybody concerned in in moving forward and and realizing the benefits that sustainable farming has on the countryside and how beneficial it is to wildlife you know when when they talk about you know growing more crops and less animal grazing you, you can't do that in areas of wales because on some of the grasslands in in wales particularly on the mountains and some of the areas it's only grass that that will grow there which is going to be sustainable to to get things grazing it so it's very important that we don't have a knee-jerk reaction and that everybody pulls together and move things forward which is going to be right and not look back in 5 10 15 years time and see the dramatic effect in a negative way that knee-jerk reactions have had because cows for example they play a part in the ecosystem when they're managed properly so what you want is not to get rid of cows but to get herds that are managed properly which can then benefit and play a part in the ecosystem steps can be taken to calculate the amount of carbon emissions to ensure that they are, are offset in, in reaching the target which the, the, the NFU and, and the farmers unions have set in, 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 years, in a few years or in, in a couple of decades down, down the line. So it is hugely important, I think, that we all pull together here in, in benefiting uh, everybody involved and we all have our part to, to, to play in, in that. And, and what I think is important that that people you don't get too emotionally attached to what we are trying to achieve and what we need to do because once you get emotionally attached to something you then lose your sensibility to see it with an open mind and the ability to pull together there are things that the farming community can improve on to do better for the environment and for the future. Yeah, I think I think I think what's always my concern, whether it's in rugby or whether it is in in farming, is the unintended consequence. Um, and and I think you know what what we what we need to remind ourselves is is the important part that the the farming community really contributes both to a, our culture and and the economy. Uh, and what you were describing there is the is that impact that positive impact that agriculture uh, and livestock farming uh, can have to make to, to, to keep the nation fed and healthy. And, you know, you touched upon it, Nigel, which is we we, I mean, we mustn't forget that there are times where you know food poverty and food security is, is is absolutely important and it is something that we need to make sure that we um as a wider society keep an eye on and you you talked there about that sort of that whole piece about looking for um you know the use of carbon and, and carbon sequestration so so what are what are the things that you're looking at to sort of go go forward um on that sort of carbon sequestration um what i would be doing a lot my myself as far as the carbon uh footprint goes i i always try and, and buy local um as much as i as i possibly uh, can um also looking at the the amount of cattle that you keep compared to the land that you have because grassland is very good at capturing carbon out of the atmosphere uh, to help offset the carbon footprint uh, from agriculture you know i've i've 
uh, got a lot of trees that I've kept um, on the farm here. Uh, unfortunately, some of those trees are ash trees, so they've got the ash die back. So what I'm looking to do, um, if they have gone, um, if they have it pretty severe, uh, it, they become quite dangerous then because the trees, the branches are quite big as well. Um, they can start falling down. So I will be looking at taking those trees down, but I will be replacing them with, with another type of tree, like an oak or beech and stuff like that. Um, I've also made sure that I when I do fence the hedges, that I fence a little bit extra away from the hedges and allowing a lot of wildlife and, and better uh, structure within the hedges for for, for healthy hedgerows. Um, I'm going to be fencing quite a bit up the farm uh, and part of that I'm going to be coppicing some of the hedges up there and also I'm going to be planting uh, a new hedge along the driveway of the farm which is probably around for 500 yards in total on, on both sides of it. So that's what I am doing my bit in, in what I can do on the small scale that I can do here in, in offsetting um, the carbon um, that is produced here on, on the farm. Um, so the possibility of, of, of carbon offsetting. Um, so that's what I'm doing, you know, myself. But obviously the bigger farms can play a different role because they, uh, I know there's a farm in Kamadenshire which offsets a lot of the, the methane and the gas that comes from the slurry pits and reproduces it into, into energy, which is then uh, reuse and, and salt for the energy that it produces as well. So I'll be managing the, the, the land and the soil here as, as well. Um, I've actually, um, this year, there was one field I had to plough. It was so bad it, it had to be ploughed. There was no option with, with, with that field. But then there were three or four other fields which I would have usually ploughed. But what I've done then, I've done direct drilling where I've actually done that on on sort of 12 14 acres this year which otherwise i would have plowed and and that's what i'm looking at doing next year as well there'll be another seven or eight acres next year where i'll be direct drilling in instead of of turning those those fields over now you know that's what i'm doing here and obviously you know as things progress and we find out more what we can do and what we can do better then we'll be looking at, at, at introducing that as well yeah, and, and when you describe what you're doing for your farm and for that environmental sustainability, it, one of those users of it that benefit from it is me and others who really enjoy the countryside and see those differences that make such a benefit to our own health and well-being. So that there is a really nice link between sustainable agriculture, a, a balanced environment, and a much better lifestyle and livelihood and quality of life for me and other consumers of the landscape. And, and, that, and that's very true because, you know, particularly over the, the period of, of, of COVID, which is, which is still ongoing, of course, we have seen a huge amount of people now going to the countryside on holidays to log cabins, to uh, holiday lets, to, to glamping sites, you know, which is all part of the, of the, of the countryside and the, the green area, which is hugely important for, for wildlife the hedgerows, the woods, the trees that are kept, you know, all part of, of this is what the farmer does every day without getting paid for it really, although there are opportunities there to get, get grants to, to do this type of work. And I think that's hugely important as well to encourage more of this. So the farmers really are the, the guardians and the custodians of the, the countryside. And, and that's why I think it's important that people who go to the countryside, not only do they learn to respect the countryside they were in as well, but understand why we have such beautiful countryside and how important it is that we maintain that 
for future generations because if you didn't have farmers farming the land you're not going to have this beautiful countryside when you look at the you know the, the, the animals in the countryside the rabbits for example which are a huge part of other wildlife species diet in our countryside well if you don't have the grasslands then the rabbit has nowhere to graze the rabbit needs the hedgerows it needs the bushes in the corners of the fields it needs a bit of rough areas in the woodland to be able to keep itself safe as much as it possibly can but it needs the open grasslands and the green areas then to be able to survive so it's getting that balance right and that's where i think it's important that people need to realize that the farmers are working hard in getting that balance it's very similar if you if you think about a couple of years ago nobody was thinking twice about the amount of plastic we were using nobody was thinking twice about going into the local shop and buying cartons and plastic bottles of water but now after awareness has been risen about the pollution of plastic everybody now is playing his part in reducing the amount of plastic that we use and certainly in the way that we dispose of it yeah and i think that whole piece about sustainability sometimes we we, we sort of get a little bit blinkered and i, and I think we've got to recognize it comes in many many different forms and you know it before this uh, this conversation I, I was looking at what what does the sustainability really mean well it is the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level you know whether that is true about agriculture or my own fitness or whatever but how do i retain that sustainability and, and and it's becoming even more challenging then for farmers to think about environmental sustainability at the same time as you know growing their businesses because you know that as a, as a banker to the sector that's what i want to see uh, you know, businesses survive and thrive. And um, historically, there's been a real conflict between that sort of environmental sustainability, farm business sustainability, and obviously when food was in short supply, you know, who, who wants to see empty supermarkets? The demands of a population really sort of overrode the demands of the environment. But it, it is changing. You're absolutely right, Nigel. It's changing as as consumers, and we're all consumers. We want to offset our own carbon footprint. We want to shop locally, and we want to support British farmers. And that there, there really are plenty of ways for farmers to increase their own sustainability. So, you know, for example, we could look at you know you described it: mintill cultivations, protecting the way we capture the carbon in the soil, as well as those microorganisms. And it. It obviously reduces costs and uh, and can help control blackgrass, which is a, you know a real problem for me here in Lincolnshire. Uh, you know, you, you talked about the use of technology. Well, how can we embrace technology through field and yield mapping? How can we help farmers concentrate on those most productive areas of a farm or field, uh, and really having that precision agriculture approach of focusing on the inputs where the soil has the greatest ability? You know, it's like you know, spend your time where you're going to get the best returns green cover crops can be used to protect the soil from wind blow as well so different things and then when if we bring it back to you know the red meat sector you know the finishing systems that can be honed to reduce the number of days to slaughter really cuts costs and 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 carbon carbon footprints now one of the things nigel you talked a lot about was your passion for for buying locally what what are your thoughts about how you're going to diversify and maybe plan to sell locally rather than just buy locally um, I, I've sold one bull, which is not going until until January, and there's a couple of other people who've who've penciled in who who want to buy a bull off me next summer. So they will be the first lot of animals being sold off the farm year. So it's going to take a couple of years for me to start getting some input in 
from the stock that I sell. And hopefully by that time, then it'll be able to to look after itself that, you know, I won't have to spend the rest. Um, I won't have to spend my money earned through through other activities to subsidize the farm that the, the animals by then will be able to to look after the running of of the farm and and be able to make a little bit of, of profit for me um and and by you know i've gone for a pedigree hairy foot herd everything here is a pedigree um i've bought in some some very very good bloodlines um from a couple of dispersal sales so i've got a good bloodline stock which i hopefully will be able to sell on to, to other breeders or sell their offspring on to other breeders, not sell sell on the animals themselves. Um, so majority, I hope, of my of my stock will be sold as, as, as breeding stock, but also as well, there will be a percentage, um, obviously, of the stock which will be sold for meat as well. And, and I plan um, to sell locally, um, you know, locally raised Hereford, meet here where in west wales in Carmarthenshire, in the gwendothari where i live to local butchers local restaurants as well uh, there's a, a friend of mine who keeps welsh blacks he's looking to do the same when he's going to open up a restaurant stroke butchery uh, where he'll be selling his welsh blacks and um you know i i'm having discussions and we'll be having discussions with him about selling my hereford meat there as well um and i think this will be good for for local businesses as well because you know, when you get a good name of a good steak, of good meat, it'll bring people into the vicinity to eat in the restaurants, to eat in the area, go to the local butchers around here and, and buy their stuff. So it's not just good for for me as a seller, it's good for other people within the, the local community as well by supporting the local butchers and, and, and local restaurants as well. Um, and also, hopefully, it will allow local residents to access locally sourced meat uh, i hope at an affordable price as well and then giving them opportunity to buy british and and reduce their own carbon footprint and knowing of the quality of meat and also knowing that they've come from somewhere where the animals are cared for in 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 the best possible way because what we do have here in wales and in the whole of the uk our animal welfare, I believe, is second to none in the world. And, and I think that's important that we convey that message as well. Um, and I think uh, Nigel, to two people and I, out there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think we should be really proud of our, uh, of, of our heritage, uh, of the provenance of, of British food. Um, and the, the sort of the intellectual tradition as well that we have have in agriculture, and you know we should be really proud of the agricultural sector and and what what a difference it makes to a sort of wider wider society. And, and you're right, that whole piece about buying locally and thinking about where you're buying your produce from, uh, not only good from an environmental point of view, but also from a social point of view, really helping create and retain those sort of vibrant rural communities, which uh, you know give give this um, you know give the country it's a real characteristic so you know what would be your advice for people wanting to become more environmentally friendly when they're making their purchasing decisions you know what would you do nigel as a as a as a shopper yeah i think you've got a it's quite a couple of things you can do i think i think you would understand first of all where your meat where your meat come from you know if you if you're buying locally produced meat welsh meat or british meat you know it's coming locally which has a very very or much lower carbon footprint um, to it than, than meat that has traveled halfway across the world or sometimes all the way across the world. So, you know, check your labels. Um, 
you know, consider recipes that, that use British seasonal produce. Um, you know, ask your butcher or your supermarket, you know, where, 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 do you, where does the meat come from? If we are to look for um, that sort of thing, it's, it's really clear that we need to get the support of the consumer because they're the ones that are going to buy buy the produce from the shops on the high street. So, uh, you know, for, for me, it is that opportunity for us to, to, to think about how we strive for that financial su- sustainability so that, you know, businesses, farms can pay bills, provide for family, you know, as well as it was really think about how we embrace new technology and innovation because I think for me one of the things that we've got to think about is the use of technology in farming because you know it will make a real 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 difference to uh, both the sort of the environmental side of it the the economic side of it and also the social side of it how we can use robots to to take away some of the more uh, uh, mundane tasks but I think Something else that we need to be thinking of is is really keeping an eye on the the upcoming sort of environmental land management scheme, you know, through our own domestic agricultural policy. Now, across the UK, obviously, the devolved governments will have their own uh, own plans, but it's really important to see if some of the measures uh, will be able to add both to environmental and financial sustainability. So. I, I think my nervousness is that we, we maybe become complacent. So I, I think we need to be really out there understanding, learning, whether that is through you know uh, your advisors or through organisations like the Young Farmers or wherever it is, really just to make sure that we can all focus on that balance between uh, business sustainability and environmental sustainability. So, you know, for me, the two of the two are so well, well linked. And I think for, for, for me as a bank, it's, it's about making sure that we have the, the right conversations with our with our customers and our clients to, to make sure that we are constantly um, looking forward to whether it is income streams from carbon sequestration, uh, making sure that we diversify. You know, it, it, it is about making sure we have those lifestyle choices and making sure that we can have those, you know, that balance of sustain sustainability. So, so Nigel, to, to finish, I've got two more questions, if I may. First of all, what's your advice to consumers who are looking to help out in the food system? I think, I think, first of all, it's to sort of, to get the consumer to, to understand and to realise how beneficial it is to, to buy, um, your you know your 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 food um from sustainable local farms um and i and i think by getting them to realize how a huge part they play in helping then the the farming community the agriculture community to reduce its carbon footprint to get it to the net zero um it's we need to get them to realize why it's important that they play their part as, as, as well. And then by doing that, you know, by, by sourcing over it, where does this meat come from? Um, what is a carbon footprint of, of meat or, or food that I buy that comes halfway across the world compared to, to what I can buy British, buy, buy local? We're also seeing at the moment a huge amount of dairy farmers putting the, these milk machines up. Uh, locally where you can go and just get a glass of milk so i think it's educating not only do we need to educate ourselves in the farming community what we can do better in order to you know become net zero um with with a carbon net zero 
but also as well by raising awareness for the consumers in how they can contribute as well and, and what they need to do and help them in how to source their sustainable local produce in, in helping them to to do that and um, and that I think you know will help then uh, and help them um, with uh, helping the farmers in in a system to become carbon net zero from from farm to fork. Yeah, and it becomes a virtuous circle um, then, then because the consumer is helping the producer, the producer is then providing what the consumer wants. So, so I think you've touched on it when you talked about education, but what would be your one piece of advice for farmers listening to this who are looking to do their part in helping the whole food system become net zero? I think my first and most important advice would be that we really need to work together and we really need to work to arrive at becoming net zero because we play a hugely important part not only in what we produce um, for the environment but we also play a hugely important part in our maintenance and looking after the countryside as well so the farming community I believe can play a leading role in sustainability and also as well in contributing hugely to reducing the carbon footprint and also helping food system become net zero. And then by doing that, we can then look at maintaining hedgerows, the planting of trees, reducing your carbon footprint. So just getting to understand and then to look in, because every farm and every individual and every family will have their own ways of farming and their own system. And it's getting them to, to understand and get what works right for their farm, because what may work right for their farm may not be doable on another farm. So I think it's crucially important, first of all, we get farmers to realise we need to realise we need to play our part and we need to lead on this as a farming community um, and also then we need to look into and what we can do and as I said there's quite a few things mentioned what we mentioned already which we can do in helping the food system become net zero. Yeah and I think one of the things you say Nigel there is is we must ne this is not just a sort of a one-size-fits-all approach because each farm is a is individual is unique whether it is from its uh, its climate or its uh, topography or its uh, practices or, or or its scale or size and so it's about taking little bits and making it making a real difference so thanks ever so much nigel take care my pleasure thank you bye-bye next time for part two of our let's talk agriculture farm to fork special to hear from another guest on how the industry is making progress towards becoming carbon net neutral for those new to barclays call us on 0800 515 462 lines are open monday to friday 8 a.m to 7 p.m we also have our let's talk agriculture podcast series too where oliver mcintyre discusses the latest trends in the market and interviews guests on other important issues facing the sector. Call charges may apply. Please check with your service provider for details. Make money work for you. We're not responsible for, nor do we endorse in any way, third-party websites or their content. The views and opinions expressed in this content 
don't necessarily reflect the views of Barclays Bank UK PLC, nor should they be taken as statements of policy or intent of Barclays Bank UK PLC. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no responsibility for the veracity of information intimated by a third party and no warranties or undertakings of any kind, whether express or implied, regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information given. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no liability for the impact of any decisions made based on information contained and views expressed in this presentation or article. Barclays Bank UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.